0: Welcome and thank you for listening to the Akuo Church podcast. We exist so that people will be in community with Jesus and one another. We'll do that by listening to God, loving people, leading by empowering others, and linking to our community. We hope you enjoy it. Akuo Church, I'm so happy to be with you today to continue our series called The Beginning. Now, this series was inspired by the word that God gave us for 2022, which is sturdy. And with everything that is going to get thrown at us this year, we are going to need to be sturdy. And to be sturdy, we will need to make sure that we are built on the right foundation. And we see Jesus talk about being built on the right foundation in this parable. Here Jesus says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it was built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So for us to be sturdy in 2022, we need to have our entire lives built upon Jesus, which is why we're studying through the book of John. We need to understand how we can build our lives on Jesus the best way. We want to see how Jesus lived his life. And how he asked us to live our lives so we can be built on that sturdiness. So in this season, we are looking to move closer to being sturdy. And some of you might be listening to me uh, talk about building ourselves on Jesus and being, having that firm foundation. And you might be like, well, yeah, that's easy for you. You're a pastor. You've got everything together. Everything's pretty easy for you, but things are hard for the rest of us. Well, I just, have to let y'all know. You're not any better off than I am. I'm not any better off than you are. I'm in the same spot as you in a lot of different ways. You see, for years and years, I have lived my life the wrong way. I used to be a chameleon. I knew how to carry myself when I found myself with a certain group. So when I would go to one group, I would morph into this thing that seemed to be more desirable to whatever group I was with. I thought it was good and I was being right, but and I did this actually because I never felt like I would be good enough or cool enough or handsome enough or athletic or smart enough to fit into whatever group I happened to be with at that time. There was a piece of me that was talking to me at all times, and it was saying, hey, you don't deserve to be here. They're going to find you out, and when they do, they're going to reject you. And I mean, I'm saying it like it's past tense. But to be super honest with you guys, it's something I have to fight about to this very day. In almost every relationship that I have in my life the relationship with my friends, my family, my wife, my kids, here with with you guys there's this thing that will pop up in me and say, if they really knew you, they'd reject you. So I'll do this thing where like, I work as hard as I can to be a good friend, family member, husband, dad, and pastor. And I'll just hope that you feel treated so well that you'll never wanna leave and you'll never wanna reject me. The point of of this is the only way that I, I feel like I deserve any of these relationships or titles is because I've been good Because I earned it. Have you ever felt like this before? Have you ever felt like you better shape up in the relationship before they leave you? Have you ever felt like you are one mistake away from losing someone or something that you love? Have you ever felt like you were so disposable that everyone is just waiting on you to fall short so they can bail? If you're like me, you might be suffering from some level of imposter syndrome, right? It's it's this idea that once you have something in your life, you feel like you didn't deserve it, so you feel like the people around you hold you to a level of competency that you look at and you're like, I don't have that. And you're worried that someday it might be ripped from you when everybody learns about that lack of competency. Now, we might have these feelings that we face all the time, but there is something incredible about how this might work out in the bible you see while we are feeling like all bad and like these imposters because we can't live up to this level of perfection that we have created in our minds when jesus was physically walking this earth he was making it a point to choose people to follow him that were not the best and were not the brightest and did not have the highest level of competency It was like one of those sports movies with the ragtag team that is going to take on the ultra-polished, super-talented team that was like the overwhelming favorite, right? I mean, I I know you've seen it plenty of times in in movies like The Mighty Ducks and Cool Runnings, Bad News Bears, Little Giants, Major League, and Space Jam, just to name a few. Anyway, this is how Jesus operated. He put together his team using people that no one really wanted. I mean, just think about how he went about choosing the disciples. First off, when when Jesus chose them, they were much older than most disciples that a rabbi would choose. They're, They're getting a little bit up there in years. You see, and here's why. You see, when Jewish boys were five years old, they would go to the local synagogue to start learning Hebrew and memorizing the Jewish scriptures. When they turned 13, there were only a select few of that group of kids that were encouraged to continue their studies. The rest were encouraged to go find a trade. More time would pass, and then they would come to the time where the the teenagers would choose a rabbi to follow. Now, once a rabbi was chosen by the student, the tables would turn. The rabbi would then test, examine, and grill every single disciple candidate. And after the rabbi ran a full battery of tests, for these applicants he would choose even a more select few to follow him. He selected only the applicants that he thought could fully measure up to his standard and eventually become just like him. A rabbi did not want to invest in anyone who did not measure up to that level. The rest of those bros, they had to go and get a job. So what happened with Jesus is that he grabbed his disciples out of their workplace for the most part. He would call a disciple, come and follow me, and then they would go grab one of their friends that was also working some sort of trade, and then they would both start to follow Jesus. And what's interesting is that these guys might have felt like they were imposters while they were rolling around hanging out with Jesus, right? Because they had all felt the sting of someone telling them they weren't good enough to be a disciple. Yet, they had this sweet gig. They had a rabbi that was accepting them and telling them that they were right. And the weird part was that they were chosen for the exact reasons the rabbis before told them to get out of there. They didn't fit the part. That's what Jesus was looking for. There was a certain way disciples were chosen. There was a certain kind of person that would get to move on to the next round. There was a certain disposition needed to uphold all the laws of that time. And here's the deal. Jesus was showing something to everyone. Something very important. He was trying to make a point. Like what we see from the account that came from the disciple John. You see, Jesus and this and crew of disciples, this ragtag group, well, they show up at a wedding in the village of Cana. And while they are there enjoying themselves, hanging out, I'm sure eating the food, drinking a little wine, Jesus' mom, Mary, walks up to Jesus and explains, there's no more wine left. And something needs to be done to fix this. At first, Jesus kind of protests, but, you know, eventually he says, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and take care of this. I'll go make it better. He's actually going to make it better by performing his first ever recorded miracle. For the first time in recorded life, Jesus is going to leverage the power of heaven to make something happen here on the earth. So what he does is he calls some people over to help him with this feat. Now, let's think about it. Who do you think he's going to call? It's a wedding. It's a big feast in the middle of the city. So I'd imagine some important people in the area would have been there, right? I'm sure there's at least like one or two rabbis, maybe a a Pharisee showed up. I mean, I know I wouldn't pass up on a free meal and some wine, right? Like if it's free, it's for me. That's like, that's one of my sayings. (laughs) Anyway, there are probably a lot of people at the wedding. And he could have grabbed, like, the head of each family, right? The, the, the oldest father and the, the oldest, uh, you know, people just to come in. You're the heads of the family. Let's go and do this with me. I mean, he could have even asked, like, his disciples to help him with that. But Jesus was trying to make a point. He was trying to show everyone something very important. And here's how the disciple John recorded who Jesus picked to help him. There John writes, Standing nearby were six stone water jars, used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. All right, we'll stop right here. Servants, the servants were the ones that Jesus chose to help him out at this wedding ceremony. Jesus chose the people that were there at the wedding that weren't important enough to those families to be invited to the wedding. They were working. There was no one in a lower social position at that wedding than those servants. Tradition would say the only reason that any of those people were even able to be involved with something special was by placing it on a table for someone else to enjoy. However, Jesus was looking to show something very important to everyone. He's trying to make a point. Now, let's look to see how this situation plays out. There John writes, when the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he says. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. All right, look at this. The master of ceremonies gets the wine and is flipping out. He doesn't even know like where it came from. But the servants, the servants knew exactly what it was. And I love that John makes sure to record this little tidbit. That means that we should be paying attention to it. The servants got to have special information that even the highest up people at the wedding weren't trusted with. Not only that, they got to carry a real life life honest-to-goodness miracle in their hands. The lowest of the low there at the party were handing out the most amazing thing that was at the entire wedding. Jesus was making a point, a huge point. Jesus was trying to show everyone something very important. Are you seeing it? Okay, well, let's look at another account from John. The disciple and friend of Jesus. In this account, Jesus and the disciples find themselves in the land of Samaria, which is weird because Jews and Samaritans didn't exactly mix very well at that time. Here's why. Samaria was the center of Baal worship, the pagan god of fertility. The Samaritans considered Baal even more powerful than God, the God that we know. So they did what happened a lot when people saw others as less than them back in that day, they killed them. Many Jewish people were killed in Samaria. Not only that, Baal worship was centered around prostitution, self-inflicted wounds, and sacrificing people around them for their God. Because of all this, Jews saw Samaria as straight-up evil. In addition to all this, they still actually held on to some sort of connection to the God of the Bible. They actually descended from some of the same bloodlines as the Jewish people. However, they didn't fully buy into the Jewish scriptures all the way. They had their own view of them. They didn't believe in the the Pentateuch, the first five books of of the Old Testament, of the, the Jewish scriptures like we would, or they did. So I'm not sure what was actually worse, the fact that they had a pagan god or the fact that they disagreed with the Jewish people about how the law of God was supposed to be lived out. Either way, the Jews wanted to be far from the Samaritans. And in this account, Jesus is heading from the Jewish capital of worship, Jerusalem, to an area to the north called Galilee. Now in between these two places was, you guessed it, Samaria. Samaria. Normally, Jews traveling from Jerusalem to Galilee would rather walk an extra 20 plus miles along the Jordan River, which would take them an extra two days instead of just crossing straight through Samaria. It became a tradition for them, and it eventually became one of their customs to worship God. They were staying away from the unclean people. However, Jesus was making a point, a huge point. Jesus was trying to show everyone something very important. Now let's take a look at what John had to write. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Real quick, nobody made Jesus do anything. When God is walking the earth, he gets to do what he wants. Jesus chose to go this way. Of course he did. He had a point to make. So in Samaria, it's around noon, and Jesus goes and sits down next to a well, while the disciples go to grab some lunch. This well isn't just any well. It was a famous well dug by Jacob. So it's known as Jacob's well. This is the same Jacob that we talked about a few weeks back, the one that wrestled an angel in the middle of the night and didn't let go until he got a blessing. Well, let's see what happened as Jesus was sitting there. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please, give me a drink. He was alone at the time because the disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Oh yeah, in case you didn't know, women weren't granted the same social status as men back in that day. So much so that Jewish rabbis, like Jesus, were forbidden to speak to women in public. And there were a handful of reasons that women weren't allowed to speak with rabbis in public. Rabbis would actually teach that women were stingy with their food, eager to gossip, lazy and full of jealousy. So much so that even just entertaining a conversation with a woman would be considered a complete distraction of the work they were trying to do to follow and teach the law of God. So add that onto all the beef that had been going on between the Samaritans and the Jews, and this might have been the first time that this Samaritan woman had ever spoken to any Jewish person, much less a rabbi. A point was being made here. Let's get back to John. There, Jesus tells the woman, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Now, we've heard about this living water before, right? We talked about it all last year here to cool, that living water is what would produce the spiritual fruit in our lives. That living water is the Holy Spirit. Jesus is offering the Holy Spirit to a Samaritan woman, which is a huge deal, But we aren't done with this. Let's get back into John. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you are living with now you certainly spoke the truth. So Jesus looks at this woman and he knows her life. He knows that she is messed up a bunch of times. And and really, there's actually potential that some of it might not have been her fault because at that point in history, men could get a divorce from women for any reason. Then when they would get divorced, they'd have to remarry just to continue to have resources to live. So there's a chance that she was divorced for little to no reason over and over again. Either way, no matter what happened, if this was something she chose because she ran around or she was just divorced over and over again, to the religious elite of this time, she was disqualified to be a person of God. All they would see is that she was divorced multiple times and was living with a dude that wasn't her husband. I mean, ladies get stoned to death for things like this during that time. However, Jesus is different. Jesus doesn't just see that she's fallen short of the expectations that Holy people would place on her. Jesus sees something more. And he makes it a point to do something to show everyone. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. This is huge. In John's account, this is the first person that we see Jesus share that he is the Messiah. He didn't share it with some holy person. He didn't share it with a rabbi. He didn't share it with a king. He didn't even share it like with his disciples yet. He shared it with a woman that was thought to be the lowest of the low. A woman from Samaria living in sin. Jesus was making a point. Now, right after telling the woman he is the Messiah, All the disciples show up with lunch and the woman leaves. And not long after, all kinds of Samaritans from the village showed up. Not to start a fight or to run Jesus and his disciples out of town. No, they wanted to meet the one that would save them. They wanted to meet the Messiah. Why? Because the woman at that well ran home and told them about everything. She let them know that he was the Messiah and they came back. You see, Jesus was making a point. He was showing the world that you don't have to be the best of the best. You can be thought of as the lowest class. You can be from the wrong race. You can be from the wrong gender. You can be rejected by all kinds of people. You can be someone that has made all the wrong choices in your life. You can be thought of as the least of the least, but you can still be chosen by Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you did with your life last week. It doesn't even matter what you did with your life last night. It doesn't matter how clean you are or how clean you are going to be someday. Jesus made it a point to show the world that he could redeem you, that with him you would be better. Jesus made it a point to show the world that he was greater than all the laws and all the cultural norms that disqualified people. Jesus made it a point to show everyone that they had a seat at the table. Jesus made it a point to show everyone that they could play a part in God's work. And Jesus made it a point to let you know There is nothing that could separate you from him. Nothing that could separate you from his love. And Jesus actually explains that incredibly well. Look at Jesus' Jesus' explanation of how he was making sure that everyone had a chance to receive him and his love, as recorded by John. There Jesus says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. So, just so you know, you're a part of this. You are a part of this world. You have been called to live a life beyond what has been set in front of you. You might have been rejected before, like the disciples or rejected by the rabbis. You might be in the lowest social level of anyone you know, like the servants at the wedding. You might have made tons of mistakes in your past, knowingly or unknowingly, like the Samaritan woman. But here's the deal. Jesus looks for the people that are not bright and shiny. Jesus smiles at the ones that are low on the food chain. Jesus loves the people that have made all the mistakes in the past and he asked them to join him. He says, join him and live your life in a way that is extraordinary. Join him and help others understand the same. Join him and love others in a way that is so crazy that people can't deny that you serve something greater than this earth has to offer. To be a part of all this, All you have to do is simply believe. That's what Jesus kept on saying, believe, believe, believe. Believe that he lived the life he did and that he was God. It's the word of the book of John, believe. That's it. You don't have to jump through a bunch of religious hoops. All you have to do is simply believe. There are no extra requirements to start your journey with Jesus. Now to confirm that belief, if this is your first time believing, I would like to lead you in a simple conversation with Jesus, which we would call prayer. Now, I know this might be a little weird or strange for you, so to make it a little easier, I'm going to ask that all of our community here at Akuo will pray along with you because here at Akuo Church, you never pray alone. You always have a community praying along with you. So if you want to confirm that belief in Jesus, just bow your head and pray something like this along with me. Just say, Jesus I believe. I believe in you and what you did here on this earth. Today, the best way I know how, I give you my life. Amen. Now let's just keep our heads bowed and whether you've believed in Jesus for the last 4 or 5 seconds or the last 4 or 5 decades and you want to buy into this idea that you have been chosen and you are not an imposter, pray something like this along with me. Just say, Jesus, thank you for everything that you've done for me. Jesus, thank you for the cross, for laying your life down for me. Jesus, thank you for your wonderful name. Jesus, please, let me build my life on you, on your bedrock. Jesus, show me that I'm worth something. Jesus, show me that I'm worth more than the rejection I have felt my whole life. Jesus, show me that I'm worth more than the mistakes that I have made. Jesus, show me that I am worth more than the ways I have knowingly chose to do the wrong things in this world. Jesus, show me that I have been chosen. Show me that I am worthy because I have you. Jesus, show me what you want me to do in this world. Jesus, thank you for everything. And we pray all of these things in your holy, mighty, awesome, beautiful, graceful name, Jesus. Amen. Now, before you go, there are a few things I want to share about you. Guys, we've been talking about this for the last few weeks, but I I just want to keep you updated on what we have going on here. We are close to being in the building for our services here at Akuo. We've been talking with contractors. We've been working with them. We've been trying to figure out the best ways that we can get you in here. And and at some point soon, we'll have heat and we'll be comfortable while we're in the gym. It's going to be like level one of us getting in. Now while this is very exciting, I want us to be tempering our expectations because we still have a lot of work for us to go for before we get to a point where we're gonna be completely comfortable with the gym and and the way it is. So just be patient with us as we start to make this move sometime within the next few months. And the next thing I wanna talk to you guys about are our community groups. They will be starting or continuing to, to get going here this week as they have been for the last few weeks. Now you can see all the groups that we currently have available at akuo.church slash community. Now, if you are someone that is looking to have a group of people that will pray with you, love on you, and walk with you when you feel like an imposter, then this is the place you need to go. Go and join one of these community groups. I say this all the time. Join one of these groups might be one of the best things you ever do in your life, but also here at Akuo. And the next thing I wanna talk to you guys about is how we are sacrificially generous here at Akuo. There are many ways that you can be doing that, and no matter how you're gonna go about doing that, we want you to be talking to God about how you are gonna make a sacrificial gift in your life. Now, if you aren't sure where to start, one of the many ways that you can express your generosity here at Akuo is through the biblical method of generosity called tithing, which just means giving a first fruit 10% offering to the storehouse, which is your local church. Now, that could be a place where you get started with your sacrificial giving. But that might not be a possibility for you right now, and I totally get that. Things might be really tough for you and your family. And if things are tough for you and your family right now, please allow us to help you out. Allow us to be linked to you in your tough time. So if you need anything at all, Please reach out and help us. If you need help with rent, if you need help paying a phone bill, if you need help with food, just let us know. All you have to do is go to our website at kuo.church and click on the contact us link or you can send me an email directly at humby.sendvet at or you can send a hel- uh, uh, an email to help at akuo.church. or you can call or text the church at 210-901-8785. So many ways to connect to us. Now, if you are willing to give here at Kuo, the way you can do that is by going to our website, akuo.church. Now, when you get there, all you have to do is click on the giving link and follow the instructions. We also have our text to tithe option. For that, all you have to do is text Akuo, A-K-O-U-O, and the dollar amount you want to tithe to the number 77977. Now, if you don't want to give electronically, we also have our PO box available if you would like to send your gift through a check. For that, all you have to do is mail it to Akuo at P.O. Box 100-125, San Antonio, Texas, 78201. All right, guys, that's all that I have for you today. I just want you to know that I love and appreciate all of you. And we will be praying for you now, and we will continue to pray for you throughout the week and throughout the year. All right, so before we go, let me just pray over you one last time. So, uh, Jesus, I just ask that, as everybody turns off their phone, closes up their laptops and and turns off their TV, that you'd be speaking to them. I pray that as they are going throughout their week, that you would show them that no matter how much the world might try and push them down, no matter how much the world might view them as as lower class or, or might reject them, that you would show them they are chosen, that you would show them they are loved, and you would allow that love to reflect off of them and on the people around them. I pray that through the way that everybody watching and listening would be able to live their lives, that the people around them would be able to see you, that they would be interested in you, and that they would turn their lives towards you because of the people that you placed in front of them. Jesus, thank you for everything. We love you. And we pray all of these things in your name. Amen. All right, guys, that's all that we have for you this week. I will see you at a community group this week